Easter. Easter is this, uh, it's, it's, it's a great day. It's a great day. It's a high point. It's probably the high point on the Christian calendar, of course, of the year. Uh, I know, you know, a, l- a little more oomph goes into Christmas. But at the end of the day, really, this is the high point. This is the day we celebrate. This is, this is really where it all happened. This is what it's all about. And we think of on this day, and really, I think for many of us, we had a good Friday service here Friday. Some of you were at that. It was, it was, it was awesome. It was really great. Just time to reflect throughout the week. We're thinking and focusing our attention towards this day and the resurrection of Jesus and the life that comes with that resurrection. And, and here was my thought this morning. I, I, uh, my my uh, Sunday morning tradition is to walk my dog. I walk my dog and we pray. Uh, well, I pray. I don't know if he prays. Uh, but I was thinking, you know, we focus on the life in Christ that we have, and there's, there's quality and quantity. And I think sometimes we tend to focus mostly on the quantity. And we say it's eternal life. It's life everlasting. It goes on and on and on. And you know what? That is, that is fantastic. And that alone is worthy of celebration. But I think we might at times focus on the quantity at the expense of the quality. And we forget maybe some of us, you know, life can be tough, Right? There's bad days. Things are hard. I think we sometimes lose sight of the reality that part of the life that we have in Christ is an abundant life. It's a quality of life that his heart and his purpose was that we experience right now. Not, not just eternal life that we get to live forever. That's good. But there's a quality of life that, that he calls abundant life. It's, it's a full life. It's a rich life. It's a blessed life that... His death on the cross and his resurrection was every bit as much focused on that as it was on living forever. And so I, that, that was just my meditation with the dog this morning. That, that was free. You don't have to pay for that. Just the idea that as we consider today the resurrection and the life in Jesus, to, to not only remember the eternal life we have in him, but to just thank him and be grateful for the quality of life that he gives us. And if we're not walking in that quality of life, we'll take a minute at the end and pray and just ask God to give us that quality of life because that, that's really what it's about. So tonight I want to I talk a little bit about that, about resurrection and life in Christ. And I want to I do that. I'm going to look at, at uh, a story in John chapter 11, and, and I'll put it up on the screen in a minute if you have a Bible and you like to read uh, old school. You can follow along with me. Uh, you can be looking that up now. It's a story that some of you will be familiar with, the story of Lazarus. Lazarus was a, a friend of Jesus. Uh, we know from not only this passage, but from a, a couple other passages as well, that Lazarus was a close friend of Jesus. He was someone that um, Jesus loved very much. Lazarus was the brother of Mary and Martha, whom Jesus also loved very much. He was close to this family. They were sort of like a, you know, I don't know, a, an adopted family to him maybe. I don't, I don't think he lived with them, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to hear that he crashed on the couch once in a while. You know what I mean? Um, they, they, were, they were dear friends. They were people that uh, had committed to following Jesus and whom had in some way, and we don't know all the specifics, but had touched his life in, some, in a way that caused him to really uh, value and care for them. 
Uh, and in this story that we're going to look at, what happens is Lazarus gets sick. He, he, he becomes ill. Jesus is out ministering. Mary and Martha send someone to go find Jesus and tell them, hey, and in fact, if you read John 11, it says the one you love is sick. It doesn't say Lazarus is sick. It says the one you love is sick. And uh, so, so they're, they're doing that. They send for Jesus I, with the intention that Jesus will come and heal Lazarus. That, that's why they send for him. They want Jesus to come and, and pray for Lazarus and heal him in the way that some of the kids shared. They got to pray for people to see healing last week. That's so cool. God bless you guys, man. Um, Jesus gets word about Lazarus, and he does a weird thing. He, he doesn't, it's, a, it's his dear friend, the one he loves, he doesn't get up and immediately go to pray for Lazarus. He stays where he's at a couple more days. He waits. And in that time frame, Lazarus dies. And after Lazarus dies, then finally, Jesus goes to the family, and he shows up. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. I'm going to start at verse 27 and and read through uh, most of the rest of the chapter. You can read with me. So this is John uh, 11, 17, after Lazarus has died. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. At this point, uh, Mary joins them. Mary comes out and, and, and joins in the conversation. They talk a little further, and then together they all go to the tomb where Lazarus has been buried. And we'll pick up now a few verses later in verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. And then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and then Jesus looked up and he said, Father, I thank you that I have already that you have heard me. I love this. I knew that you always hear me, but I said that for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. So let's... Uh, Let's just pray. Father, uh, open our hearts today uh, to see life, our life in your resurrection. Open your word to us to receive all that you have. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so uh, Jesus is, uh, and here this is a side note too. This is another freebie. I'll just give you this. Um, There is an amazing commentary 
it's totally off the subject, but it's an amazing commentary in the purpose of God in the fact that Jesus wasn't held up for some reason. He intentionally did not go. And sometimes I think we pray and we expect God to come and do something, and God doesn't come and do that thing in the time frame that we expect Him to do it. And sometimes it might seem as though it's too late. But I think that sometimes when that happens, we can come to the understanding that God has a higher purpose, something that we are unable to see on our own. And I just think that is an interesting little commentary in this story that, that uh, Jesus didn't go intentionally and that he had purpose beyond what Mary and Martha understood in this whole situation. When he does arrive, now it says Martha came out to meet him. I don't know how far out Martha went to meet him, but I got the feeling that she saw Jesus coming and she went down the road. To meet him. Martha was distraught at the loss of her brother. She loved her brother very much, and he had died. I might be reading into the text a little bit here, but I don't think so. I don't think it's a stretch to say that Martha was also maybe a little bit upset with Jesus. I, I, I think Martha was a little bit peeved at Mr. Jesus that day. She was holding Jesus responsible and saying, in effect, hey, you could have stopped this from happening, but you weren't here. And now he has died. Jesus was uh, in Jerusalem. It's about two miles away. Now, look, there's hills and valleys. There's rocks, all that stuff. They're walking. So two miles may not be the same as two miles to us, but it's still two miles. It's four days. So let's assume that day one... They send somebody to find Jesus. He doesn't have a cell phone or there's no GPS or anything like that. So it takes this person, whoever it was that went a little while, they track Jesus down, they find him, they tell him, hey, Mary Martha sent us, Lazarus is sick. Two more days, he hangs out. Finally, at the end of two days, on the fourth day, he decides to go and he heads back the two miles or so from where he is in Jerusalem to Bethany. And he arrives and... Martha's upset. She, she, she realizes that, you know, if Jesus had come sooner, maybe her brother would not have died. Jesus, in uh, an effort to comfort Martha, says to her, your brother will rise again. Now, Martha responds by saying, I, I, I know that. I know on the resurrection at the last day, or, or as some translations say, at the end of the age, that he'll rise again. That was her faith. That was Jewish belief. That was kind of the party line. That's what everybody would have said. So she thinks Jesus is saying, hey, you know, he's going to rise again when we all go to heaven, that sort of thing. And, and uh, that's her response back to Jesus. And then Jesus says something uh, very strange to her. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, let me ask a question. Uh, who says that? Who says things like that? Uh, it's a weird thing to say. Uh, let's be honest about it. It's a weird thing to say. I, I am the resurrection. Now, the resurrection is an event, right? It's an event that takes place historically. So what Jesus is saying here is, I am that event. That's weird. Do you think that's weird? I think that's weird. That's like if I came in here and I said, I am the Super Bowl. 
Not I'm going to the Super Bowl. Not I really like the Super Bowl. Not I think that the Super Bowl is a great thing, but I am the Super Bowl. That's weird. You guys would look at me and go, that's weird. And I think that Martha, Mary, and whoever else may have been around at that moment probably looked at Jesus and said, that's weird when he said that. Why did he say that? Why is he saying that? Here's the thing. Jesus talks like that a lot. You ever notice that? He says weird things. He not only says, I am the resurrection, he, he says, I am the way. I am the truth. Now, who says that? He's not saying, I'm going to tell you the truth. I come to speak truth. He says, I am the truth. I am the life. Not going I'm not, not, I'm going to bring you life. I come to give you life. I am the life. He says, I am the bread. Who says that? That's weird. I am the bread. Okay, I am the peanut butter. I mean, I just think, I think it's strange. It's strange. Sometimes, sometimes Jesus gets even more obscure than that. He gets, if you ask me, a little bit farther over on the weird scale, and he just says, I am. I am what? You know, if it were anybody else but Jesus, I think we would be inclined to, to say maybe he's just having a senior moment. Quite honestly, I, I mean, I could picture Uncle Wally coming in here and saying, I am. But I can't remember what I am right now, so I'll get back to you. Right? It's just a senior moment. He just forgot. But I don't think Jesus forgot what he was. We might think maybe he's grammatically challenged. I'm not sure if Jesus graduated from high school or not. I'm not sure how well he did in English. We might say, well, he's mixing things up. He's crossing his, it's not, I, I am not an event. He's, he's just confused. That's the problem. I don't think Jesus was having a senior moment. I don't think Jesus was grammatically confused or challenged. Um, here's the deal on this. Biblical scholars all agree, and that's, a, that's really an amazing thing because there are, there's almost, there's just nothing that biblical scholars all agree on. But they all agree that when Jesus said, I am, he was making a reference to the Old Testament. In Exodus chapter 3, when Moses, and if you've watched, did anybody watch the Ten Commandments this week? It was on. What is wrong with you people? How many of you have ever seen it? Yeah, if you've never seen the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston, I'm sorry you have not lived. When Moses meets with God at the burning bush and God begins to speak to him, Moses removes his shoes. He knows it's a holy moment. He's in a holy place. He's in the presence of God. God is giving him a message, and he knows he has to take that message back to the people. So he wants to make sure he has everything lined up. He's got all of his T's crossed, his I's died. He's got everything in order. And he says, who am I going to tell them? Who do I say sent me? Who is it that is telling me to go to them? You know, the person's name and their title were wrapped together. He wanted to know, hey, when I, when I go... I, I'm obviously here. I know this is God. I can sense that. I want them to know this is God. They're not here. How do I communicate that to them? What do I say? And this is what God says to him. Oh, wait a minute. There we go. God said to Moses, I am who I am. 
This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am. What God, that, that is the, again, the name and the title are kind of connected. This is sort of the supreme declaration of who God is. I don't need anything more than that. I am. That's it, period. I am it. I am all there is. I am, I am what I am, and I will be what I will be. That's what God is saying. Now, as uh, strange of a way of speaking as it might appear to be to us, the, the Israelite audience that day did not think that was weird at all. They absolutely 100% understood what Jesus was saying. They would have read the Old Testament. They would have been very familiar with the story of Moses. When Jesus said, I am, they would have absolutely 100% certainly known what he was talking about. In fact, we know that because back here it says very truly what Jesus said before Abraham was born, I am. The next verse, it says they picked up stones to stone him. Well, stoning was the penalty for blasphemy. What they were doing, they're saying, ah, he's, this guy's saying he's God. Stone him. No, no trial, no conviction. Just put him down now because he's off the deep end. He thinks he's God. They knew what Jesus was saying. I am what I am. Jesus is identifying himself with God. He's saying, I am God. I am God. Okay, so here's my question. What do you think about that? Jesus said, I am God. What do you think about that? I think today, um, it's, a, it's a weird world we live in. There's a lot of opinions about Jesus. A lot of people think different things about him. But here's a common thing. Here's a thing that I think many, 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 many people in our country would say today. They would say things like, I believe Jesus was a great spiritual leader. I believe he was a great moral teacher. I believe he was a spiritual man. I believe he was a spiritual leader. I believe he was a, maybe a prophet. I, I, believe, I believe Jesus was nice and good and compassionate and kind. I think there are some people who don't believe in Jesus, but there are many people who believe that Jesus was a good person, that he did good things, that, that he was uh, a caring pe- person, that he was a wise person, that he... he he told great stories, and his stories had great morals, and they had a good point. And that even if you were to apply Jesus' teachings to your life in some way, that maybe that would be beneficial to you, that would help you. I think a lot of people believe that. The problem is that Jesus didn't say, I'm a good person, I'm a kind guy, I'm a good teacher, I have great stories. I'm a, he didn't say that, he said, what he said is, I'm God. I'm God. So, if he's a good person, if he's a great teacher, if, he, if he's, a, if he's a, 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 a great moral teacher and, and a spiritual leader, well, then he's also crazy, right? Because that's the kind of thing crazy people say. I, if you went into a psych unit at any hospital in the country today, as I have done on numerous occasions, 
and you began to interview people, it wouldn't take you very long to find somebody who'd say to you, I'm God. That's, that's what crazy people say. So if, in fact, Jesus was just a great teacher, a spiritual leader, a nice guy, any of those things, then he's also crazy because he didn't say, I'm those things. He said, I'm God. In fact, he said, I'm God, over and over and over and over again, and he said it in a bunch of different ways. Jesus said, uh, you know, in John 14, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. He said, I I and the Father are one. He said, I'm God in a bunch of different ways. He calls himself, he refers to himself at different times as the bridegroom. And this, again, is another Old Testament image that people would have been very familiar with. All through the Old Testament, in the, in the poetry and in the prophetic writings and in the Old Testament history, God is referred to as the bridegroom. The people of God are referred to as the bride. And there's this time in history in which the bridegroom will come to redeem his bride, to take his bride. And again, the people that were listening to Jesus that day would have been very familiar with that illustration, with that alliteration, and they would have understood what that means. And, uh, you know... That's a problem. Because if he is just a good teacher, if he was a kind, wise person, if he was just a spiritual leader, he really was crazy. And if he wasn't crazy, then he was God. So what do we think about that? Look, I, I don't... I don't want to argue with a lot of people in the world today, but I'm going to. I don't think you can say that. I don't think you can get away with saying Jesus was just a good guy. Look, if you're going to take the stand that he was, in fact, crazy, I'm okay with that, to tell you the truth. I respect that opinion because at least it makes sense. I would love to have a conversation with you. I would love to tell you why I think you're wrong. And I would love to tell you why I think that the difference Jesus has made in my life has been everything. But I'll at least respect your opinion because I think it's, a, it's, it's at least a logical conclusion to make. If a guy says he's God, he's crazy. But I don't think you can get away with just saying he's a good guy. He's not just a great teacher. People say Jesus was a great teacher. Well, if he said he was God, he's not a great teacher. He's, he's whack. Unless he's God. So I don't think you can get away with that. And here's the other problem. If he's God, then one, to say he's a great teacher is selling him awfully short. Two, if he's God, he deserves more than us showing up once or twice a year to worship him. If he's God, he deserves more than a passing notion. He deserves more than an occasional thought. He deserves more than a prayer when I'm in trouble for help. He really deserves our whole heart, our whole life. He deserves our devotion, our dedication. He deserves us to fall on our knees and say, yes, 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 thank you, thank you, thank you. He deserves everything we have. If he's God, anything less than that is inadequate. It's not enough. If Jesus is the resurrection and the life, if he did die and rise again so that we could have abundant life in him and we're not taking full 
advantage of that opportunity, then we're missing out. And we're selling Jesus short. I just don't think you can get away with saying Jesus was a good guy, a kind teacher, a moral leader. I don't think you can get away with that. When Jesus said to Martha, your brother will rise again, and she says, I know he will in the resurrection at the last day. That really was, that was the party line. That, that was the Jewish tradition. That was the faith that they held. That was the creed that they believed in, that this resurrection would happen and people would go to that. So she has faith and she, she has a creed, a, a creedal faith. She believes in this thing that will happen in the future. And Jesus isn't very impressed with that. He's not all that taken back by her faith in that creed. And he says to her then, I am the resurrection and the life. And then he asks her point blank, you believe that? I'm not that concerned if you believe sort of creedally what might happen sometime, someday. I'm not really concerned if you believe in sort of this saying, this motto, this slogan, this thing. What I want to know is, do you believe that? Do you believe I am the resurrection and the life? Believing in a person is different than believing in a creed, isn't it? Does anybody know that? Um, Jesus doesn't care that much about her belief system. He wants a relationship. He wants a relationship with her. Believing in a person means that you have to trust that person, doesn't it? It's not really about believing the right things. It's really about believing Jesus. It's really about trusting Jesus. Can I give you an illustration? You're going to have a choice. Uh, here's my illustration. Here's my creed. You want to know my creed? I believe that my wife is one hot grandma. I do. I believe she is a kind, generous, gracious, caring, smart person. I believe she's a great mother and an even greater grandmother. Sorry, guys. I believe she's a hard worker. I believe those things today more than I did when I first entered into relationship with her 30-some years ago. But believing those things does not make me married to her. In order to be married to her... Now, it started with believing those things. But in order to be married to her... I had to act on those beliefs. I had to make a commitment. I had to say, I do. I I had to put my trust in her. See, I think another uh, commonly held notion today is that to be a Christian means that you believe in certain things. If you believe these things, you're in. If you don't, you're out. Anybody familiar with that? Believe these things, you're in. If you don't, you're out. A lot of people think that. The end result of that, I suppose, would be that God's highest desire, God's highest purpose and highest goal would be to raise up a bunch of people that have the right opinion about things. 
that God's highest desire, His highest purpose, His highest goal w- w- would be to have some really good students who could pass a test on the judgment day. Now look, what we believe is important. I'm not saying it's not important, but what I am saying is this, that it's not enough. Because that's not God's highest purpose. That's not God's highest goal. That's not God's highest desire. What God's highest goal, purpose, and desire really are, are to know you, to be in relationship, to be connected, to have a people that loves Him and He loves them, that turns their hearts and their faces and their lives toward Him, that worships Him freely, that loves Him and that He loves them. It's to be in relationship with them. That's what He wants. It starts with what we believe. Yeah, sure, that's great, but that belief, we have to act upon it. We have to say, I do. We have to commit. We ha- that's what God wants. That's why He calls it a marriage relationship. All through the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, He wants that kind of connection, that kind of love with us. He wants us to come to Him in that way. Not just believe the right things, but to really act upon those beliefs. So, I'll, and I'll end with this. And Jess, if you and the band want to come back up. So, my opening question tonight was, what do you think about Jesus' claim that He was God? My closing question is this. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? We are going to um, close with a song together. It's a song that, uh, oh, I'm not afraid to say, that Jesse wrote. And it's about the resurrection and life that we have in that resurrection. And as we sing this song together, I just encourage you to think about that. What are you going to do about it? And then at the end, we'll take some time and pray. You okay?